This is Mind Your Own Business with Mike and Matt, Race Car Radio's podcast for business owners, entrepreneurs, and aspiring entrepreneurs. I'm David Hoffman, and your voices of reason are Mike Gansel and Matt Plosiak. On today's episode, how do you know when it's time to grow? So today we have Julie Van Such of J Van Such Studio. They design and uh, manufacture and sell printed scarves and accessories. And like a lot of solo entrepreneurs, since you started this company, it seems like you've had difficulty kind of knowing where to throw your energy at any given time. Being yourself, you know, there's all of these, and I certainly relate to this, there's all of these, all of these different aspects you have to be looking at. Sales, you have to be looking at manufacturing, you have to be looking at operations, you have to be doing the bookkeeping, you have to be keeping all of these plates spinning and sort of knowing where to be putting your focus at any one time is sometimes a bit of a struggle. So you were asking about, you know, you're getting to the point where your company has grown to the point where maybe you're ready to not be a solo, uh, a one-woman show, and actually actually be hiring a staff. Um, maybe talk about that. Why, what, what are the questions and issues you're having sort of making that happen? You know, as a solo entrepreneur, how do you focus your energy? And in the beginning, what would you say is the best thing to focus on? So, you know, I think um, it depends, you know, obviously what stage you're at. So when you're first starting, right, there, you need two things. Um, you need a product or service to sell, and you have to have a customer. So it's somewhat chicken and egg, I guess, but you, you need something to sell first. So um, I'm guessing when you first started, you were designing. Yep. And so once you had some designs, then what did you do? Um, well, I also, I had, when I first started out, I was doing trunk shows at Henry Bendel. So I had a friend who was working there, who's a stylist, and he calls me up, he borrowed some of my scarves, and he's like, Julie, I showed your scarves to the buyer, they want to do an event, do you think you could have a bunch ready in one month? And I was just like, yes. I had no idea how I was really going to pull all of that off, but I did. So I had already a market, and there was a clientele there, and I knew I had a buyer interested, and I had a place to sell. I had an event, I had a deadline, so to speak. So um, my first event, I feel like I just kind of winged it. And, you know, I was really lucky because I, um, you know, after doing a few of those initial trunk shows, I ended up meeting more buyers and getting more wholesale orders and sort of things sort of snowballed from there. But the very first event, I kind of just winged it. So, so first you had a product. Yes. And a friend of yours started selling it. And then you had customers. Yeah. That's, so well, that, it was, was sort of... Well, that isn't necessarily a business. That's actually, you know, and that's actually the point that we always make, Matt, is that Julie is a perfect example of the accidental business owner, right? Correct. She had some components that basically said, okay, I'm ready. Mm -hmm. But Julie, were you really ready? No, but I, you know, I did what I needed to do. And I think I learned a lot from that initial experience. And then as I did more, I was more and more prepared. It's been a big challenge of mine to figure out what is the best thing to outsource? What's the best... Um, what would free up my time in the best way that I could then have other headspace to focus on other responsibilities and other tasks. So is it marketing? Is it hiring somebody to do full-time shipping and handle e-commerce? Is it hiring a full-time salesperson 
Do I hire a salesperson that works on commission? Um, these have all, or do I just hire a general assistant to help me in everything? So it's been an interesting challenge of knowing what to focus on and what exactly to look for in a new hire. So, you know, here's, uh, here's a question I have for you. Do you have a job description? I have multiple. <laughs> that's, exact, that's exactly my point. So if you have a job description, which is multiple jobs, one of the things I would suggest is you actually write all of those multiple jobs down. Then you can begin to see, okay, you basically make two columns. We call that pay time, and we call that non-pay time. So when you look at all those jobs that you're doing, and let's say you decide what's pay time, and then you see what's non-pay time. Now you begin to see, really, what, where is the gap and where's the crack? So now, for instance, if it is indeed shipping and getting everything together, well, that's actually, if you'd started to do that, you know that would be non-pay time. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's where you should focus. On the what, other hand... What does that mean, Mike, uh, pay time? What do you mean by that? Well, pay time or non-pay time is, are you directly generating revenue? So pay time equals directly generating revenue. Non-pay time is indirectly generating revenue. So somebody who does shipping or operations is indirect. It does generate revenue, but it's indirect. Somebody who does sales is direct. Somebody who does marketing, well, marketing could be a combination because you're never sure on Mm -hmm. marketing whether it does actually lead to sales. So if you start with that job description, get all of that down, and then divide it by pay time, generating revenue directly, and then not, and then you can begin to decide what is you actually need the type of person for hiring. Does that make sense? That's a good point. Yeah, how would you know? It sounds like a good exercise I should do. So, Julie, one of the points we make to our clients is that uh, if the owner is actually doing the activity, you're, you're maybe generating revenue, but you're really doing it to pay expenses. Mm-hmm. With maybe a little bit left over, but if you can, if you hire someone, whether they're an employee or a contractor, and they can do it, you're making money on them. Well, yeah, I mean, with that pay time, non-pay time divide, are, are you suggesting that she outsource the pay time or outsource the not pay time? Well, wh- wh- where do you, what do you do with that? Okay, well, now you take it one step further, which is a great question, mm-hmm. which is, well, start off looking at what are your total revenues to date? What's your gross margin? Because it's really the bottom line, right? Add up, add that, and then see if indeed where are you going to get the most uh, benefit? Is it going to be top line revenue or is it going to be bottom line? If it's top line revenue, you know, I think Matt would be the first person to tell you, "Eh, that's not the whole story. The question is, what does it do to your gross margin and can you do better there? In other words, can you put more money into your pocket? Can you put more money into the company after all of your direct expenses go away? Let me ask you a question, Julie. Are, are there things about what you do that you particularly enjoy and things you particularly don't enjoy? And is that maybe part of this equation? Oh, yeah. That's a great question. Uh, so one of the things that I learned, which I think it's funny, is when I first started this company, I don't think I ever thought of myself as a salesperson. It's been such a challenge to feel, put myself out there and learn and talk to people. And so in the beginning, I used to hire people. I used to hire my sister, and she'd come help me with sales. But I realized that no one's ever going to be as good of a salesperson of my own brand That's a myself. great realization, by the way. 
So Matt, you just I'll lead you on for a second because you always have some great insights about that. But why don't so, you say you know, more? We work with a lot of owners that generate maybe a majority or at least a large portion of their revenue. And the transition from an owner doing the sales to having a sales person or team is probably one of the hardest things an owner can do. Because you're right, you probably can never, never hire someone that's going to be as good a salesperson as you are. And you have to live, be able to live with that if you want to grow um, you know, to the next level. Uh, now, I'll, I'll agree with you partially on that. Because um, in listening to Julie, um, yeah, one of the things, and, and you, Matt, one of the things that we've always said is that most of the time, a business owner is a better salesperson than a salesperson. Most of the time. Most of the time. Right. So now here, Julie talks about the fact that she actually has learned to really enjoy sales, and she's really good at it. So maybe she really shouldn't be hiring a salesperson. Maybe you should be hiring a, um, an operations person, an administrative person, who will give you more time to sell. Because after all, you are, on some levels, a solopreneur. And so the next question we probably want to know is how big do you want to grow? And you grow in stages. So maybe uh, in you're thinking about what type of person you should hire, maybe it should be somebody that will make you more efficient and right. give you more time to sell and then you know, have somebody else to do the grunt work and to do all of the stuff that, as a solopreneur, you wind up always doing. So that sort of leads me, thank you. Michael, into the next point, which is um, figuring out what do you do best and what is it most, what is it that you do is most valuable to the company and then delegate the things that aren't. Um, and uh, that's really the, the process of trying to figure out what you should be doing and what you should outsource or hire people to do. Can I, let me, let me ask a question Generally speaking, do you guys think it's better for something like social media, for something like online marketing? There's two ways you can go, right? You can hire a person to come be your social media person, or you can hire a firm to handle your social media. Correct. How do you guys feel about the pros and cons of those two roads for a smaller company? Wait, there are three roads. You can do it yourself. Right. Yeah. 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 Three roads. But assuming you're, that's something you've decided you need to outsource, do you generally think it's better to have a person who's your person or to bring in the muscle of a, of a company of, of people? Well, it somewhat depends on your budget. Um, you know, if you're working with a company, they're going to more than likely be charging more than an individual contractor is going to charge. So uh, I think in, in Julie's case, it, it is, uh, she needs to find someone that can repeat or, or understand the brand and get that image out there on a daily basis to uh, extend the brand and to keep the vo voice of the brand the same uh, that she wants it to be. Julie, it gets down to this question of worth and value, how you measure value. How much do you want to grow? Because that, that's the key to all this, isn't it? Sort of what, the, what yeah. your goals are. Well, actually, I can remind you when we first met, and just so that everybody knows, you know, Julie has been working with Voice of Reason Consulting for three years. years. Well, actually, most of the five years. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the questions we actually, uh, I asked you way back in the beginning 
was uh, you were working as well as being a, a, right, and your original intent was to stop working for the man or oh, the yeah. woman <laughs> and be able to do this and totally make enough revenue so that you could just leave the other work and this would be it. So now it's all these years later and you are successful. There's no question about it. How long did that take? When were you able to quit your day job? Say it. I still have it. There you go. <laughs> there you go. So, so that's really, now that, now that we talk about and we go back to David's question, which I'm really glad you did that. So a business poised for growth and a lifestyle business yeah. and the in-between. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say I have like a dollar in mind, a dollar amount in mind that I want to achieve. It's more of just I'd like to see the brand be successful and get bigger. I'd like to hire a team so I really can focus on more designing and sales and um, do this full time. Well, I have a, I have a question because you know when you first start out, you have a certain goal in your mind or dream, and then as time goes on, generally it changes for oh, a variety of reasons. So, is has your has your goal or vision changed for what you want for uh, your studio? I think it has shifted a little bit, but I think ultimately that, that kind of always was my dream and my goal and my passion to achieve. Um, and I think I'm getting there. Um, and I think it's maybe just, you know, had a different path than maybe I originally thought. But, um, you know, I'm happy in the way that I've grown and learned in this journey. Great. So if you could wave a magic wand, I like, I like using that. You, so you would be doing your studio business full-time absolutely terrific i just now i'm a lot more knowledgeable about everything that it takes about a business all the expenses all of the um different aspects of it that you need to know and so i'm really educating myself and learning and um figuring out a way to take the big plunge so uh, actually you know i'm going to suggest uh, a book that's worth reading it's called the e-myth revisited and it's by uh, Michael Gerber. And in it, he talks about all of the personality and all of the qualities that an entrepreneur has to have. And it's great insight because it talks about uh, being having to be a visionary, having to being the technical person, having to be the manager, uh, having to uh, you know, be the doer. And it really is fascinating because with that insight, you can begin to uh, look at when you want to build a company, who are the types of people that you need? You, you're the visionary, for argument's sake. You're the salesperson, but you're not necessarily the manager or the technocrat. Or you are the manager, but not necessarily the visionary. Mm -hmm. It's really very helpful. So I uh, think of, on your quest to get to the next level, you might want to read that book. All right. I'll check it out. We'll be right back after these messages. If you're enjoying this show, you might also like some of the other podcasts on Race Car Radio. For instance, try London's New York. Your guide, Dan London, takes you on a deep and opinionated tour through some parts of New York City that are a little to the side of the usual tourist trail. And along the way, teaches you something about the extraordinary, rich, and diverse history of one of the greatest cities in the world. I guarantee you that it's a view of New York City that you've never had before. Listen and subscribe now to London's New York at racecarradio.com. 
Race Car Radio is proud to support the work of IO Worldwide, a tenacious and dedicated organization working to address the root causes of poverty in West Africa. Because they believe that who a person is and where they come from should not solely determine what they are able to achieve. To learn about their work and how you can support it, please visit ayaworldwide.org. And now back to Mind Your Own Business with Mike and Matt. So that was such an interesting um, conversation with Julie. And I'm, I'm wondering maybe the next step. So once you've decided, okay, I need to hire somebody, you've, you've, you, you have a concept at least of this is the person I should hire. This is, this is the aspect I should, I should be, or the two or three aspects I should be outsourcing. How do you find people? Well, I, I have a, I don't know what's a pet peeve, but I have a philosophy, I guess. Uh, and that is uh, the, one of the owner's most important jobs is finding the right people for the, to, for the company. And the owner has to be recruiting all the time. If you wait till you need someone, it's too late because all the good people have jobs. And if you haven't identified someone that you, who, who has a job and that is good at what skill set you need, you're going to get someone who doesn't have a job. And there's a reason. They don't have a job. Well, I don't know if I quite agree with that. I, but here's the part that I, that I agree with. So you're, you're a big game poacher, is what you're... I'm a big game poacher. I'll tell you, two of our best employees at Netland, one took me four years and one took me five years to hire. Well, okay. The, you know, I can agree with Matt on the fact of, um, that you do want to hire people uh, who have been successful in other jobs. So you want to, and you should always be looking for people, always. And he's right about that. However, um, I think there are lots of people out there who don't have a job because they're either first starting in the marketplace or they voluntarily left a job for a variety of good reasons. And since I've always been one of those people too, I can't say that it's an ironclad rule that uh, you always uh, need to hire somebody who's already currently in a job. It's a good thing to do, but it also is an ironclad rule or generalization that I don't totally agree with. But I will totally agree with you always do need to be hiring. The other part, though, is that you also need to know what business culture you want. Mm. And so, you know, when you hire people, you want people to basically uh, fit into that culture. Now, I am not saying when I say that, that you want everybody to be the same in your company. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that you have a culture which basically says um, this is the environment that you want to cultivate for a significant portion of your waking time, right? I mean, you work, if you work eight hours a day, uh, that's one-third of a day. And usually if you work 10 or 12, that's more than one-third of a day. And then you multiply that by the five days a week or the six days a week, and you find you're spending so much more time working than not working. Well, wouldn't you want then to have people who you work with be a reflection of what you're aspiring to. That's interesting. And how would you, what, what are some of the aspects of a business culture? What does that mean? Like what, what are, what, 
how, how would you define for yourself the culture of your company? Well, I go back to Netland and what I wanted, why I was an accidental business owner. The Netland was a company that Matt and I founded, co-founded together. That was 1985. And uh, we grew that company uh, significantly over the period of 15 years. But up until that point, I had done a lot of other things and a lot of other jobs. And when I had this opportunity to start a business with Matt, I knew the things that I wanted to be in that environment. So for instance, uh, up until then, when I worked for other people, I'd have an idea and somebody would tap me on the back and say, that's a great idea, Mike, but that's not the way we do things around here. So I wanted to build a culture that that was not going to happen. I wanted to build a culture where you couldn't see the, the end of the horizon, that it was so far out there that you had to constantly reach for it. It wasn't narrow. Also wanted to be able to a place where to make as much money as I could possibly make, and I wanted everybody else to be able to do that. So when people said, I want to make X, and I knew I couldn't afford to pay them X, I could only afford to pay them Y, I wanted to work with them to find a way that they could go f to that X, that they could make it. So those were the things that I wanted to inculcate in the business environment that I was basically putting myself on the line for. Ambition sounds like what you were looking for at that time. Now, Matt had other, other reasons. Yeah, I wanted to make money. Uh, well, who can blame you? Um, but then and I wanted to make as much money as possible, and then I wanted to sell a business. Did you make as much money as possible? Uh, I made a lot more money than I ever thought was possible. So That's, I guess, uh, yeah. So let's say you're you're in it. You're in an interview. You've you have. I mean, fifteen minutes, a half an hour with someone. How do you tease out whether this is somebody that you want around? How do how do you get? I mean, you're talking about kind of deep things. You want somebody who's Let's say you want somebody who's creative, who's ambitious, who's, who you share, you, you feel like you could spend time with. How, how, do, you, how do you find that person? Uh, to go with Michael's, one, you should have a good job description, number one. And it's very helpful to have a process, not that I necessarily follow it all the time. Because, you know, you interview someone, you have a colleague interview someone, gee, I really like that person. Or, I, I didn't really like that person. Well, what does that mean, Right. But really should have a process because if you have a process and you have some type of metric, I'm not going to say necessarily testing, but some type of metric, and I, and I, and I hire someone that's really good, I look at that metric and I say, gee, I'd like to get someone similar to this metric. And, and it takes a lot of the emotion out of it, not that at the end of the day, if you don't like the person, you're not going to hire them anyway, right? But uh, you need a better, you need more than, uh, you know, three or four people liking the person uh, to whether they're going to be a good fit. So um, I, I, uh, I, I agree with Matt. You've got to have a process. Now, there are th things are happening out in the world. One is there is this concept of called assessments. And we've been working with that with our clients where um, there, you develop a profile of uh, skill set thinking style, uh, behavior style, et cetera. You, just, you, you have a job description, and then you have a profile of different qualities that fit thinking style and behavior style. 
And then um, if you have a candidate that you've interviewed and any number of people in the organization on a gut level believe that this is a candidate that would be worth hiring, you then do these assessments. Uh, for salespeople, it's a sales assessment. For support people, administrative people, they're all types. And that assessment basically kind of tells you where they fit within the profile that you've designed for the job. Uh, and by the way, an outlier, either negative or positive, is not a bad thing. It just basically tells you more about that individual and if you do hire them, where are the areas that you should be working with them to get, basically make them a more integral part of your company? So those are assessments, and they, they've been very effective. We've used them with our clients. Is that something you can go buy? Or yes. Or there, there, are people, there, there are people who do that. We work with one uh, individual in particular, um, and she, uh, that's what she does. And she does a great deal of support interpreting those assessments because um, – it's not so easy on the top level to interpret it. Now, the other thing you know, that you look for when you're talking with people is if you indeed have a business culture. So I have a client who has uh, identified 11 or 12 different aspects that are part of their culture. One of that is a can-do attitude. Another is that there is no problem too big that we can't solve. These are qualities that the uh, president, the founder and owner of the company has basically said, this is so some that I'm looking for in people. So when you're having that interview, you're talking about those things that you're aspiring to and seeing if that individual. Then, of course, the last thing comes down to the question that Matt always asks in terms of hiring when he does reference checks. Now, reference checks are critical. And you do have to do a reference check not only on the positives, but also on the negatives. In other words, if somebody says, well, I didn't get along with my boss, you want to talk to that boss. You want to find out why they didn't get along. And that leads to Matt's famous question. My, you know, in most cases, you know, these days, it's hard to get information, particularly if it's a larger company, other than when they were hired and when they left. But I always like to ask, would you hire this person again? Because that's really the telling. If the answer is not yes then I don't think I would recommend hiring them. Now, I would, Could, couldn't that answer be no and it still be someone you want to hire? I mean, it's, yes. That, it's, it's, you, awesome. you don't yes, share yes, a brain well, with them. It, it is no, possible. No, this is exactly... The person you're talking to might be an idiot. But, I mean, this, is, but this is the Mike and Matt show. So the, 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 the fact about the Mike and Matt is Matt is black and white when it comes to this kind of thing. Michael is gray when it comes to this kind of thing because the, the belief that, you know, well, would you hire them again? And the answer said no. That doesn't tell you what the dynamics were between those two people. It's a, it's a great indicator, but it isn't necessarily the whole story. So for me, maybe, I would want to yeah, probe, probe the why. Um, but, you know, quite frankly, uh, different strokes, different folks. Uh, it's always worked for Matt. Um, and it's always worked for me to have the great part of it. You know, I think, I think maybe the, the, the ultimate answer here is, is, Mike, is that you really should just mind your own business. Say that again? I, I think you should probably just mind your own business. You, Dave, you want me to mind your own business? I have to say that to Matt. Matt, will you please mind your own business? Dave and Michael, please mind your own business. Thanks for listening to Mind Your Own Business with Mike and Matt. Tune into upcoming episodes for conversations about the finances of taking on new staff, the power of abundant thinking, and much more. Never miss an episode by subscribing to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, 
and many of your other favorite podcasting apps. Find those links at racecarradio.com slash mindyourownbusiness. You can also follow us on social media at MYOB Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. Our guest today was Julie Van Such of J Van Such Studio, www.jvansuch.com. The stars of the show are Mike Ganzel and Matt Plosiak of Voice of Reason Consulting, www.voiceofreasonconsulting.com. I'm David Hoffman, and I produced and recorded the show. It was edited by Austin Cologne. Mind Your Own Business with Mike and Matt is a production of Race Car Radio, www.racecarradio.com. <laughs>